helping today's entrepreneurs stay on top of the latest digital marketing trends. I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, episode 141, The Art of Standing Out. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Today's episode is brought to you by AWeber. Build your email list, engage your subscribers, do email the right way. I've arranged a special deal for all digital marketing radio listeners, and that's a 60-day free trial with the email marketing software provider I use, AWeber. Lock in your 60-day free trial, plus view a video that I've recorded on the three reasons why I use their service at aweber.com slash DMR. So just go to aweber.com slash DMR to get started today. A big interview with David I'm joined today by someone who believes that sales, as we practiced it in the last century, is dead. He's a man who believes that it's essential to stand out and rise above all the noise made by the competition. Please welcome the principal consultant at the art of standing out, Mr. Arthur Jones. Yay! <laughs> yes, well, I'm, I'm happy to be here, David. I am truly happy to be here. Get the applause going there as well. <laughs> there we go. How's that? <laughs> it was great to have you with us, Arthur. Well, you can find Art over at tao-im.com. One of the expressions that resonates with you is digital Darwinism. Yes. Something that um, represents an era where technology and society are evolving faster than businesses can naturally adapt. So is one way for a business to stand out by adapting technology quicker than its competitors? I, th- I think it's an awareness of two things. One, an awareness that the technology moving so quickly, um, you know, somebody in a garage somewhere in the world is inventing the next blab and it's going to be the the next great thing, and we'll all flock to that. And it's not to become expert with the next new technology, but to know that technology is advancing faster than we could possibly keep up, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in live streaming, whether it's in um, the design and and the makerspace, it really has become challenging. So understanding that the chaos, that disruption, the disruptive technology causes chaos in the world is important. But I think the other side of that coin is to have an awareness that it's, you know, the one thing that doesn't change is that we're all human and we we all respond to stories. We all respond to kindness. We all respond to uh, to attention and empathy. Right. And and so if we appreciate technology for what it's doing to society. And, and how it's helping us in society and where it's challenging us. But we always stay mindful of the truth that we're all human. And if we want to communicate, the medium is not the message. It's connecting eyeball to eyeball with a real person and having a real conversation, which is really what I think we've come back to in this new millennia here in 2016. Right. Okay. So you're not saying that it's technology that can make the difference when it comes to being successful in business. What you're saying is every business needs to embrace technology, but um, the real thing that will actually lift you head and shoulders above what other players are doing in the market is by really understanding the customer and having real conversations with them. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we, for the last decade, we've talked about making great content in the proper context. And, 
And I think that really speaks to what my intention is. Great content in the right context suggests that we know who we're speaking to, context. And, and that's all about being human, having empathy um, for that person or using big data if we have access to it to understand our audience and then giving them what they're asking for, giving them what eliminates the pain in their world or uh, eliminates the challenge in their business um, because we use data and, and our intuition and our empathy. And we, we, we commit to studying the marketplace to know what our value is and inserting our value directly into where it's gonna do the most good. That's not technology, that's more about being human. And, le and leveraging technology to do it well. Um, I was going to say, are you an advocate for establishing a buyer persona um, to actually build your content, build your message around that? Or is it more important uh, to actually try and analyze who is following you and actually tailor your message according to who is who is your, who's following you? Yeah, that's a great question, David. And I believe it's it's two things. I believe one, it's 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 building that buyer persona, and I think there's a buyer profile, and the buyer persona. The profile says that the, you know my ideal prospect, and and I might have four ideal prospects, but the first one that I build a profile is it's a woman. She's thirty five to fifty five. She's a successful business owner. She's this. She's that, and that's the profile. That's the metric, right? The buyer persona says that she likes the arts, she's athletic, and she loves dogs. That persona part's important because I like the arts, I'm athletic, and I have a dog. So I'm aligning with people that believe in believe what I believe on the persona side, and I'm aligning with that profile that I can bring value to on the the, the data side. And and I can build as many of those profiles as I want but I only build them after I've done the due diligence to understand where those people are on and offline. Um, and I'm building that profile so I can, so my content in the right context can find them where they are on and offline. And, and before I actually produce content, I listen to them while they are on or offline to make sure that what I believe about them and their opportunities and challenges is spot on. Then I launch, then I begin to engage and uh, I think that gives me a greater propensity to, to achieve success with that kind of strategy. Right. Okay. And is what you're saying relevant um, for very small businesses as well as big businesses, or is it more slanted towards big business advice? Well, you know, I, I think, David, that's, that's an interesting question. And I, I know that there are many different ways. I mean, uh, there, I met with somebody the other day and I said, Art, gosh, I'd really like for you to help me create these, this, these, uh, these videos, this intro and outro for my business. And I said, well, tell me about your, tell me who your audience is. He said, no, I'm just going to create the intro and outro and then it's going to find an audience. And I said, okay, well, based on that, I can't help you. Because if you're not willing to make the commitment to, to understand who your audience is for, how am I supposed to help you create something? You know, I can help you create something, but I don't know who it's targeting, so I don't know what it should say. However, having said that, that's what I believe. And I think in the marketplace, there are plenty of people that are shooting videos right now that could care less what the, the intention is and who the audience is. They're just going to make a great video. And there's a market for that. So I don't say they're wrong. I just believe that what I believe is 
is a more satisfying way for both me, the, 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 the customer I serve, and the customer they serve, because we are building content that is inserted into the narrative of the ideal prospect, and thus it should resonate more readily. I'm building content for a specific audience as opposed to building content that hopes to find an audience. I'd like to talk a little bit about the style of communication with prospects. Obviously, you've talked a lot about um, face-to-face or at least personal communication. There, technology allows us to automate a certain amount of communication. So how much communication can actually be automated while still building that personal relationship? I think that if we know who we're trying to engage and we know their narrative, whether we use a tool to schedule our content shouldn't matter because the content that we're sharing, whether it's video, audio, or text, will be so purpose-built to insert itself into their narrative that when they receive it, whenever they receive it, they will their ears will perk up and they'll go, oh my gosh, this is great. I mean, it's made for me. So um, I think that scheduling um, perhaps is, uh, is not a bad thing, but it's not a bad, if you're scheduling or you're just pounding content, that's one thing. But if you're being thoughtful in creating insightful and compelling content made specifically for your ideal prospect, then scheduling is just an efficient way to do your social media. So can a high quality email very personalized to someone that you know is in a certain type of audience, uh, can that be actually be a replacement for face-to-face or over-the-phone communication? I think that this is the evolution story. We've, we've come from a place where we, that's what we use social media platforms for. I mean, we, we have Twitter for communicating and, and email. Um, we have Facebook messaging to communicate. Now we're using Snapchat and we're using Periscope and we're using all of these platforms to communicate. But I think there's a certain, uh, there's a certain ethos that, that's evolved to say, and I use this example, I'm in Tucson, Arizona, here in the Sonoran Desert in southern, the southwest U.S. When I arrived here a little two plus years ago, there were five artisan brewmeisters in town. Today, there's 20. So that's almost one a month has been born. And I use that example to say that the only reason that they're thriving is because people care more about the authenticity of knowing who their brewmeister is. You know, Budweiser, which comes from a neighboring state, uh, I mean, uh, Coors, which comes from Colorado, the neighboring state, is mass produced. It's just a brand. The guy with the copper still um, that I can walk in and see him working behind the, the bar. It's a relationship. And, and we care more. Humans care about relationships. And because we care, I'm, I believe that we're moving from a place of thinking that our social media platforms can be a replacement for connecting with people real time. And we're moving back, the pendulum is swinging back. That sure, we're going to use those social media platforms, but we are going to use those platforms to build a relationship where hopefully one day I am in the EU and I get to sit across the table and have a beer 
with with David with Bain, or 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 go on the Skype and have a one-on-one conversation as best we can, as opposed to and I I I I position this idea largely in um, the notion that a lot of authorship has been produced and by one person in particular, Sherry Turkle, who's a Harvard-educated MIT professor, um, and her next to earliest book, she's got a book out now, but her previous book was called Together Alone. And it suggests that we spend more time looking down. I mean, I've actually been in Times Square, walking across Times Square with masses of humanity. And the majority of those people were looking down into their smartphone as they walked or looking, holding it in front of their face to take a picture of a moment as they were in Times Square to capture the moment and not interacting with the people that were there. Um, you know, I, my wife was just in Hana, Hawaii, which is like paradise. And she said, and, and before that, she was in Los Angeles at um, a new uh, museum that has an incredible, incredible exhibit that is a real-time experience. You're only in there for 45 seconds. And she had her camera all set to capture the moment. Her battery died. And she said when her battery died, that's when she immersed herself in the moment and viscerally felt that art exhibit in a way that she wouldn't if she had been looking through her camera to capture it. And, and so I used those examples, being in Hana, Hawaii, and not holding your camera, but just looking at the waterfall cascading down the mountainside and into the ocean is a visceral human experience, not encumbered by the, the, the beautiful iPhone or Android phone that you have. And the long answer to your question, I can shorten it by saying technology serves us, but and there'll be new technology in six months to serve us even better. But who we are as humans, we require the human connection and and the human connection i think will always trump um, any connection that the platform can enable for us but i guess it's also how that human connection is achieved um, because i i can relate with you completely i've traveled quite a bit um you can see my I see your picture at machu picchu of course exactly yeah, exactly you know and um i certainly spent a long time taking in um, exactly what was in front of me rather than actually being behind a lens. But um, that's not necessarily how maybe a younger generation would um, really thrive in that kind of environment. And perhaps they'd appreciate it just as much from behind the lens of an iPhone and, and maybe sharing it with people that um, they have a, a very close relationship with. So maybe it's the fact that um, it's our previous experience in addition to the technology that makes us act the way we do. And perhaps if people grow up with the technology, it's integrated in how they act as human beings. Well, I think, I think that that's a interesting, and I think a lot of us believe that that's true. I've grown to believe that it's not true. And, and um, there's, there's, there's a lot of people that have studied, and Sherry Turkle is one of them, the notion of together alone that we can be at the dinner table and you've seen it where there's a husband, wife, a boyfriend, girlfriend, and they're both looking down at their phone as they're waiting for their meal to come or they're eating their meal and still looking at their phone as it sits quietly on the table beside them. Or there's a, a couple in bed and their their backs are to each other and they're looking at their smartphone. They go to sleep, they wake up, they don't look over to see how their significant other is doing. They look first to their iPhone, turn it on and swipe 
And and there's a there's a there's a brilliant scientist who's near IAL, N-I-R-E-Y-A-L. Near IAL has studied, like Sherry Turkle has studied, what's happening to us because of all this wonderful technology. And and near IAL is kind of a neurologist that says that the we know that in Las Vegas, the one-armed bandit, right? You pull that yeah. handle and the things spin, it makes noises, lights go off. And it titillates the same place in our brain that cocaine and other drugs do. So to summarize where we are, um, we seem to be in a very pivotal point in time where technology is something that is really used by all at the moment. Um, But in terms of communication, in terms of marketing, do you see technology as being absolutely paramount in having a successful business, a successful communication with customers in the future? Or is the fact that um, you can actually conduct high quality one-on-one conversations with people as an individual possibly going to be the thing that differentiates you in the future? I, I, I think the answer is that, I mean, just five years ago, you know, I was using social media to get an email address. That was a conversion. I'd, I'd be on social, I'd offer, make an offer, I'd get an email address, and they had now given me permission to market to them through email, right? And, mm-hmm. and after you market through email, you maybe want to do face-to-face, come to my workshop. Now we host workshops online. And, and you know, I'm a technologist, you know, for many, many decades now, and I'm, I'm not naive to think that in, in digital Darwinism, what we talked about earlier, says that technology is only gonna continue to advance. We are gonna become much more sophisticated about how we use technology to connect. And it will become more like real-time communications. But I I use the tagline, I use the idea that if we focus first on being less about the technology and more about being human, we'll build better content, we'll, we'll build better businesses and we'll become better leaders of those businesses and we'll become better leaders of the tribes that we're in service to. Because, you know, there, there wasn't very long ago, and I think it still exists, there are people that believe that using Twitter is a strategy. I don't believe that. Mm. I mean, Twitter, Facebook, Blab, they're tools. They're like a toolbox. You use the right tool for the right application. Um, a strategy says, I know what I do, I know why I do it. I know who I do it for. I know how the person I do it for has changed after they get my offer. And because of that, I'm going to provide it to them. And I know I've listened to them and I know where they are online, they, where they gather. And I know what networking groups they go to and what conferences they go to. And I'll go there. I'm not going to go to those places. They don't go there. Why would I go there? I'm going where the people at my product service solution resonates with are. And it requires that we do the work to, to discover that. And, and, and that's just what I believe. And I think there's, that's what I believe on, on card number A, the red pill says, do the work to know your ideal prospect, know their persona, know where they are uh, on and offline, know what their opportunities are and challenges are. And then if you have an offer that fixes what's broken in their world, bring it to them where they are. Don't go anywhere else. Over here on this card, it says, you have an idea, just make produce that idea and share it with the world and your tribe will find you. If I, I come from that inbound marketing perspective that says, when I make great content, 
in the right context for my ideal prospect, I'm telling stories that resonate with them because I know them. And so why would I take this extra step of just hoisting stuffing up and throwing it into the, the air and hoping something sticks? I'm not saying that doesn't work. It works. I think that the cycle time to getting reward is better here. I have to do the work, which requires time and commitment. But once I've done the work over here, it if I'm producing something for all the orange people in the world, and I produce content for orange people, when they hear it, they're like, I don't know how that guy knew I was orange, but oh my gosh, he's producing orange content. If I produce orange content, and oh, by the way, I knew where they were. They were reading your blog and Herbie's blog, and so I went there, right? If I come on Blab and I just make noise, right? I just share my idea. There might be some of my ideal prospect here, but that's equivalent to saying I'm gonna hoist a, a billboard up or I'm going to hire the Goodyear blimp and make it fly up and down the California coast. And every beachgoer that sees that blimp looks up and says, oh, it's the blimp. And occasionally somebody looks up and says, what's it saying? Oh, it says it's looking for purple people and it's got an offer. If I'm not purple, what do I care? Right? I'm just interrupting everybody as I look up, hoping somebody gets it. That's interruption marketing. The blimp is interrupting everybody on the beach, having a wonderful day with a blue sky and waves rolling in to see the blimp. And hopefully the message reaches somebody it's designed for. I say you, you know who it's designed for. You know where they are. You produce content that solves a problem that they've got, fixes a challenge in their business. And then you go to them where they are and you shorten the cycle time. You say, I got it. You need it. And you tell the story because the story of the value proposition is is what it's all about. Because, you know, I could change. I could change a human's biology and their neurology by telling a story. Science tells us that. And and so when I know who I serve and I know what I offer and my offer is in service to them and I tell them a story, that story is inserted into their narrative just like this. Yeah. And it's we can't get apart because we are simpatico, simpatico, right? Yeah. When I, one, don't know who I'm talking to and I'm trying to talk to everybody, how can I tell a story that resonates with anybody? So that's kind of what I believe. Well, I can't disagree with that. Um, in terms of interruption marketing, probably the majority of people online were doing that five to ten years ago because... I reckon they viewed the internet as just being a broadcasting mechanism and there wasn't much interaction going on there. But it's changed now and it probably better reflects the real world now. And um, it's funny, the analogy that I was thinking of when um, you were making so many great points there was um, perhaps I could go to China and sit on a hill and uh, deliver my message in English and maybe one person might understand me. <laughs> Yeah. But um, you've got to be in the right place at the right time with the right audience. And um, unless you're doing that, then well, I, you, I think, David, and, and you're an ex, ex, SEO guy, right? A, a mm. digital marketer that has a, a deep well of knowledge about SEO. And, and SEO is probably a great, uh, a great, a great paradigm to, to think about. You can't 
use SEO if you don't know the keywords that your audience is trying to, it will respond to. Mm-hmm. What are yeah. they typing in? And so if we use the, the, the core tenets of SEO to do everything we do, then we're going to take the time to figure out who we're trying to reach and what they're thinking and saying and what they're typing in from their office or their den. And, and that way, we'll at least present our website to them because they will hopefully click through. But once they've clicked through, then we've got to give them thoughtful, insightful, and compelling content that is the depth of connection that is all about knowing who they really are. So we can know who they are and what keywords they're, they're using, but that's phase one. Phase two is, okay, now I've got to produce content that build that keyword is volumes of content that I've got to produce that build around the value that's built into that keyword. And, and, and I believe people that make the commitment to do the work and then are dynamically doing the work and staying attuned by listening to what their ideal prospects want and, and staying dynamic means that they change with the, the changing tribe, the changing tribe needs and, and desires, problems and opportunities and challenges. Um, then you are providing uh, a, a value. And I think the, the other cultural thing that's happening, or societal thing that's happening is, you know, we really want to have um, authentic stories. You know, we want to have, we want to do business with brands that bring us value. And um, we want that value in the most expeditious way. I don't have time. Right. You if you want me to 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 meet with you at 9 a.m. for 90 minutes on every Thursday. The person that's offering that same content um, through a learning management system, because I'm a smart guy, just give me the done and put a video in there. Give me the content and let me do it at 2 a.m. in the morning if I want to. And that's the customization of delivery that, that I think technology is allowing us to move towards. So in, in one hand, I'm saying technology is, is, uh, is in the way of personal relationships. On the other hand, I'm saying that technology is becoming so advanced and so elegant that if I can produce a high quality video or audio file and I can incorporate visual storytelling with pictures and images and then put all the text and all the test and all the validation into a package and you can access it on your mobile device, your tablet or your your, your desktop from anywhere at any time. Now I'm satisfying, I'm differentiating myself from everybody else that has a similar content because I'm saying you don't need me as much as you need my content and you can access it at 3 a.m. when you've sat bolt upright in bed and you're preparing for a presentation first thing in the morning. But that's you, of course, and, and you... Uh, as per uh, what you said about 15, 20 minutes ago or so, um, you're a factual kind of guy and um, you want the information, but maybe some other people won't want to, will want to join some kind of community and interact with other people and perhaps actually be there um, at a certain point in time. I agree. Well, uh, I tell you what, we, we carry on this conversation for, for, for a long, long time, but um, I'd like to um, get... Um, towards the second part of the conversation, which is um, more along your thoughts on 
software digital marketing trends and things like that. So that's going to be a little bit more focused. We've, we've, you've offered so many amazing tips in that first section. But first of all, I'd just like to say a big thank you to Michelle Evans, actually, for giving a great interview on growing your business by being a great guest on other people's platforms for episode 138 of Digital Marketing Radio. Michelle has actually been in touch to say that lots of DMR listeners have been in touch with her to thank her for what she sh- shared. So if that's you, dear listener, thank you too. But um, yeah, let's segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses on Art's thoughts on where digital marketing's been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So Art, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Um. You know, early in my career, I was drawing on whiteboards all the time as a technologist, trying to understand the infrastructure of the customer and inserting my value into that infrastructure all over the whiteboard. And um, so today uh, I use mind mapping software uh, called MindMeister. And um, it's, it's great. It's my digital whiteboard, works on my mobile device, my tablet, my PC. And the great thing about it, I can mind map because uh, I'm a visual learner and uh, I can see the relationships to the different things going on visually. And then it gives me the benefit of outputting to a Word doc, a PDF, or a PowerPoint, those great ideas that I generate in the mind mapping medium. MindMeister is something that I've used actually quite a few years ago, um, probably about five years ago or so. And um, I'm just in the stage of actually uh, typing up um, what I did back then to see how many views or, or shares it's actually had because it's been a long time since I've been on there but um, it's good to hear that they're still going strongly. Yeah they are, yeah they are. So um, here's a slightly more challenging question though, what piece, what piece of software don't you use but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? <laughs> um, Snapchat. Oh right okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Snapchat, it's on, my, it's on my radar as a storyteller I think it has potential, but I um, I've not dedicated enough time to be uh, a credible user of the platform quite yet. I haven't quite figured it out myself yet. I've um, I was I was playing on it today actually a little bit and registered um, a couple of um, brand names on it as well. I think if um, you're not quite sure whether you might use it in the future or not, it's still worthwhile making sure you've got your business name. So that's probably the most important step to begin with. Yeah, I I think so. Great. Okay. Well, I'll include uh, links to both of them, of course, in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. But uh, moving on to... I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back on the first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Um, I, I wish that I knew then what I know now. <laughs> um, I My evolution, I'm a technologist. And so when I crossed over from the sales side of enterprise class technology to being a social media solution provider, I began with thinking that the technology was where the value was. And, um, you know, I do believe that it's all about less tech and just being human and only using the tools that you need to, to reach the audience that you are in service to. So um, the, sh- the short answer is, I wish I had begun early on by beginning with less about the technology and being concerned with mastering every social media platform and, and spent more time thinking about the sociology, the anthropology, the biology and neurology of the audience that I was really trying to reach. Because whether I was using signal flags or Facebook, I'm still talking to humans. 
And I think that escapes many of us and we, we get infatuated with the technology as I was uh, early, early on. Um, because I'm a technologist, I thought it was the right way to go. But I quickly backed off and became more thoughtful about how I used the tools that are the social media platform. Oh, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. I'm just thinking, for anyone listening, it's almost worthwhile clicking on the back 30-second button a couple of times there and re-listening to that because um, it's something that really resonated with me. Um, the only thing that um, I would possibly add to that is, um, obviously, because technology is ingrained into a lot of things that we do. It's possibly finding a way to use technology so effortlessly that um, the end user doesn't really have a focus on it and doesn't notice that it's it's part of the the interaction at all. And the the emphasis is obviously on the the conversation rather than the technology being used. I think video accomplishes that very well, and that's why a platform like Blab does give us the ability to to see the other person, not just hear them. Um, and soon we'll be able to have slide decks and videos in the, the, the panel next to us that really give us a rich, uh, bountiful harvest of content to present all at once. And, and when we get there, I'll be just as ecstatic as the next guy. But I think I'll, I'll, I'll still approach the use of those things as a tactically um, and letting them be in service to the strategy. The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Just two rules here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. Ready to go, Art? I've, I've wiped my, my, my <laughs> mind clean. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Display. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one -on -one relations? One-on-one one -on -one relations. Paid search or SEO? Paid. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Global. Yay! Well, there weren't any both there at all, but um, there was a bit of a bit of time for the initial one, email or Twitter, and I think you said Twitter there, and I was quite I, surprised. I said, that you one. know, in spite of in spite of Twitter and the recent hiccups that they've had with the losing the five C level executives and all. I do find it, I mean, I, I only have 140 characters, so I don't have to think about the content. And I know I can reach somebody that is, that I'm following. If you and I are following each other. So if I want to DM you, it shows up, you get an alert. I don't know if you get an alerts for your email, right? Or, hmm. right? I and and it's for me a more direct pathway to connecting. And I think um, when I become adept at Snapchat, I'll probably use that for reaching certain parts of the audience and in the same way that I can connect with people on Periscope and connect with people on Blab. And I think the platforms that serve us best will become platforms where we can reach our audience, not just by real time, but through the back channels that will be available to us as well. The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? 
this might sound crazy, but I would take that $10,000 in its entirety and I would, I would go to maybe three cities that I want to visit to, um, to be the global uh, uh, presence that I want to be, to reach more people. But, you know, I might go to Kolkata, India, because I think a place like that for a guy from the U.S., would be a mind-blowing experience to let you see how a different part of the world lives. Um, you know, I use Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs said, think differently. So I would use the $10,000 to go to communities on the planet that would expand my level of understanding of how other people in the world live. And I would think in that human connection in Kolkata and Sri Lanka and Machu Picchu, I would learn something that I don't currently knew, know, and it would make me a better provider of, of services. It would make me more insightful about what the global condition is and what people need at that level. And would it be possible for you to measure the ROI financially of that? I think if I came back and I began producing content in a more thoughtful, insightful, and compelling way, um, for the, the, the audience that I'm in service to, wherever they were on the planet, that the growth in the business would be a direct correlation to that mind-expanding digital nomad experience of 90 days uh, that, that $10,000 would afford me. I guess it's like a lot of content marketing. You know intuitively that it is going to be worthwhile financially over the long term, but it's, a, it's quite difficult to justify it financially completely. I agree. Okay, well, that, I reckon, takes us up to... My number one takeaway. So, Hart, you've offered a lot of great conversa- oh, great advice in our conversation, but what was the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their businesses? I'm going to say that each of us has the opportunity to, to lead. And if we're doing digital marketing, um, we are stepping up to the plate to lead the tribe of people that we're in service to. So accept the responsibility to be the leader that we all can be, cultivate the, the expertise of a leader, which is being mindful, using your intuition, um, using your sense of empathy and, and continuing to grow into that. And, and being a good leader also means that you do those soft skill development for self-awareness while you're gathering all the data that you can to get a mashup of soft skills, data, to reach the audience that you are in service to and go change the world. Wonderful. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. Thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Um, You can reach me at um, artjones.tv. You can reach me at tao-im.com about me at Art Jones, uh, the hashtag T-A-O-S-O, which is the art of standing out in hashtag form. We'll find all of those resources and um, I'm here to serve. I I help uh, business owners and businesses use brand strategy, storytelling, so they can market and sell better. Superb. Well, I'll certainly include a few of those links in the show notes again at uh, digitalmarketingradio.com. So, well, uh, thanks to Art and of course, thanks, dear listener, too. If you enjoyed what art share today here's how you can help go and find your friend's iphone go to the podcast app and search for digital marketing radio click on the show hit the subscribe button and make them listen too finally i'm also host of another live show every friday called this week in organic 
So head over to thisweekinorganic.com and find out more about that. But that's all for now. Until we meet again, adios and thanks again for joining me, Art. Really great content. Thank you.